You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. I don't have the balance I did when I was young. I can't dance as quickly, but I've got other stuff. I've got life experience and I've got, I've come to the point where it's like dance now or get off the pot. I mean, it's like I used to always wait to be better. You know, I wasn't good enough. I had to get better. And now I really don't care. This isn't just another podcast with tips or tricks. This isn't just interviews with great artists. This is about finding the missing pieces that are going to help you make it as an artist. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, best-selling author, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. And this is the Performers and Creators Lab weekly podcast, helping you to find your edge. Hey there, all you performers, all you creators, all you mavericks and imagination makers. How do you envision yourself aging as an artist? Or even, or do you even envision yourself aging as an artist? I feel like when you're young, you really don't spend a lot of time looking into the future when you're going to be middle-aged. And when you're middle-aged, most people aren't really showing up to be role models or our media and entertainment doesn't highlight them anyway as role models when they're in their 70s. And yet I feel like I would like to have something to look forward to in my life. I'd like to look forward to my 70s and imagine what I would like to be like and what I would like to be creating and how I would like to be showing up as an artist in the future. Well, my guest today, she never imagined that she'd be dancing and performing and teaching into her 70s. And yet here she is still doing it no signs of stopping. And so I was interested in talking to her, not just because of her age and wisdom, but also she incorporates shamanism into her dancing and into her writing. And so, okay, so over the years, I've noticed myself, there's this sort of seasonal change in focus that happens to me personally. And I think maybe other people experience this, but I just want to put words to it because it's something that happens to me. The fall, for me, I feel this distinct shift when I really go from being really, really active to sort of slowing down, slowing down the pace, looking inward. And I find myself really with this deep desire to connect with my ancestral guidance and my inner guidance for the coming year. And so in line with that on this show, you're going to notice that this fall, we are really diving into some esoteric topics, skirting the edges of the dark and the light of the spirit world. And we're going to push the boundaries of what you might think is possible when it comes to letting the spirits, letting our ancestors, letting Uh, all of us come to the table and create through us as our upcoming guests are going to talk about familiars, shamanism, channeling the dead to write movies, uh, feeling their dead relatives play piano with them and working with the ancestors and more. So that is what you can expect from this podcast sprinkled throughout some awesome stories of artists 
So our guest today, Mariana Mejia, is a writer whose lyrical prose and poetry explores the themes of life, death, and aging. An avid spiritual practitioner, Mariana incorporates decades of shamanic and psychotherapeutic training into her works and inspires her readers to seek out alternative ways of knowing and seeing the world. As a wise woman in her 70s, Mariana is grateful to be looking back on a life well-lived. From this vantage point, she offers unique insights and perspectives from her journey. Mariana Mejia. And joining her in musical accompaniment is her husband, her beloved Federico Mejia. I'm so interested in shamanic work. I'm so interested in um, these ways that we journey different different consciousness. And I want to know when you when you talk about shamanism, when you talk about shamanic work, what does that mean to you? Okay. Well, I studied at the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, and I studied particularly with Michael Harner and Sandra Ingerman, who was with them at the time. And I'm a graduate of their three year advanced program plus all the other ones. <laughs> and um, so it means having a connection with the spirits and asking for help and healing and using this to help others as well as myself. Does that that's, give you an idea? Yeah, that's great. And and how do you engage? I mean, do you use art to engage with that? or? Um... I think I use it to engage with art. Uh, I journey... Every day I do a little 15-minute journey usually when I wake up. And I also facilitate groups for, um, for people who already know how to journey once a month. I often teach my psychotherapy clients how to journey because it's a very self-empowering tool. It's something they can do without me. Mm. So it's like they can go to the spirits for their own information. And I've also used it to explore dance, especially flamenco. And I've used it for years, and I'll use it sometimes to ask for a good performance, or what should I pay attention to, or how shall I call the spirits to help me? How shall I have the spirits dance through me? Huh, okay. So when when you're calling on on when you're asking for spirit to join you or um, for another energy to dance with you, are there times that it works better than others? Like, what do you think makes it work best? How do you become that perfect channel? Do you think? I think the key to that with shamanic journey and probably with performing too is to be what in the shamanic world they call the hollow bone, which means you let your ego get out of the way. If I worry about if someone's going to like my show, that'll ruin it. Mm. I need to just feel the music and let the music run through me, and then the spirits usually help. I see. So you focus on, on the pleasurable parts of the moment. Right. And then 
also like in a soleil that I teach that I learned from Concha Vargas, I, it starts with palmas. And I always think of that as calling in the spirits. And then I start walking forward and I feel the energy building. And I use that whole entrance as a time to ask the spirits to dance through me. Mm. Mm. I love that. I know what you mean in the beginning where it's kind of like the, they're just warming up. Mm-hmm. You have that period to walk. That's when you invoke, huh? Yes. Ah, I love it. Love it. because you talk about ancestry a lot in your writing Mm -hmm. is that do you think it's your ancestors that you're channeling when you do this or just any I think distant ancestors I have a lot to work out with with some of my ancestors and some of them are fabulous but uh, I think it's more distant in other lives Uh uh-huh and you and what do you think makes it so um why does ancestry captivate you so much why is this a topic that comes up again and again for you in your writing and also in your performing and because i think we're how do i put it part of this i was going to say linear but it's not really linear it's non-linear line of souls that go on and on and on. And I don't see myself as only an individual. I see myself as part of part of um, a world of past and present and probably future too. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know I'll sidetrack a little. Once when I first started studying with Concha Vargas, I was in Spain and I was fortunate enough to do private lessons with her every day. And one time she told me that when she dances, it's not her dancing, that it's her ancestors dancing through her. Ooh, I just got chills. (laughs) Yeah. And she's also um, described herself as the sweet panther. La Pantera Dulce. Mm. And I think... It's not talked about much in flamenco, but I think it's an old, flamenco is an old magic ritual. And when everything is in perfect compas, it takes it to a new plane. It just jumps, and that's where the duende starts to come in. But I, my own theory, it's not, you know, anywhere else, is that, this, that the compas is the outline for this ritual. And why do you think the compass is necessary to take everyone to that place? I, I don't really know. I just know that when everything is in perfect compass, it jumps the level. I'm going to run this theory by you. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, because uh, I've been thinking about trance and what it takes to induce it. And I've read this other places. It's not just me that figured this out. But um, one of the 
the necessary components of it is uh, a constant. And you see this with like uh, the drum beat or yes. the, um, the flashing lights, or um, if you're getting hip doing in hypnosis, it's the constant pattering of the, the hypnotherapist's voice. Um, that is that constant thing that kind of, I feel like holds like a space, like a container. And so I'm wondering if maybe the flamenco, the compass is so powerful because it's not only when it's perfect, it's holding that safe container. It feels like something you can trust, but it's also really complex. You know, you think about like, like a cigarilla or something, it's more complex than just like four beat or something. I don't know. That's my theory. It makes sense. It makes sense. In in the shamanic drumming, we just have um, kind of a heartbeat rhythm that does not have rhythm. It's it's the monotonous drumming that is trance-inducing. Yeah. But it makes total sense that the compas of flamenco is also trance-inducing because it does embrace you. And it goes on and on, even though it's a lot more complex than, for example, shamanic drumming. So how are your experiences when you're, you're in the middle of um, being embraced by that shamanic drumming different than your experiences when you're dancing flamenco, which is a very, it's more complex. Do you feel like there's a difference in your experience of that? Yes, because when I do shamanic journey and I'm going for help or information. Okay. And when I dance, Okay, I would compare it. Sometimes we dance our power animals or spirit helpers, you know, teachers in shamanic. And then that's when we let them merge with our bodies and they get to experience the human body and dance. And in a way, that's more like dancing. You know, it's with my body. So my body becomes the vehicle rather than going to a place in a non-ordinary reality without my body. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. I guess what I'm getting at is I'm just curious about, and I'm just exploring this literally Mm -hmm. in present time with you about um, what that complexity of rhythm might do to us. I'm just wondering out loud. Like, what do you think that does to us? Like, is it, how do you think it creates a different type of trance and how so? Yeah, I do think it does. That sounds good. I mean, that's why I've always said, it seems to me like a magic ritual because when you go through it, something bigger than what you're doing happens. Artists United is a nonprofit organization inviting artists of every medium, every genre, every stripe to share and exchange knowledge, access high-powered collective tools, and embrace new ways of working together as a global force for good. Their mission is to empower individual artists to create excellent art and to unite all artists in order to create social change. Based in the United States, headquartered in Oakland, California, but their network and reach are worldwide. Artists who work alone create art artists who work together create change visit artistsunited.net 
to join their free membership and learn about their new social media platform. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast with me, Holly Shaw. And now we're back talking with Mariana Mejia, a writer, shamanic practitioner, and flamenco dancer. Let's talk about age for a minute because you're 73. You're a young 73, though. <laughs> thanks to dance. Thanks to. Do you think that dancers have an edge? Do you yes. Think age less? How, yes. Why do you think that is? Well, one, we fine tune our bodies. We're very much in touch with our bodies and we use them. So the circulation goes through us and. Um, then, then there's the spiritual and the emotional part of dancing. It's a very whole experience that uses our intellect and our memory. And it also uses the um, unconscious mind. We have to let go to really dance, but we have to practice and hone our bodies to be able to get to that spot. Mm. So it's like all things working together in this sort of healthy, holistic way. Right. And I always thought, well, when I get too old to dance, then I'm going to get back to my writing. Because I used to have a hard time doing both writing and dancing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then at one point I realized, wow, I might not get too old to dance. So I went, I better start writing now. I don't want to get, if I got too old and had dementia or something, then I couldn't write. And I really also feel that writing is my life's work at this point. So what is surprising to you about being 73 that you didn't expect? Well, one thing that I just realized lately is that I've been dancing most of my life. And I, I didn't even count, you know, from about five until 16, 17, and then I was just dancing, dancing, not trained dancing. But when I got into belly dancing and into, into flamenco, I didn't say I want to be a professional dancer. I just did it. It was like I was following this life pretty unconsciously in some ways. And then the other day I was in my dance studio talking to someone and I realized, wow, I've been dancing most of my life. And that was surprising to you. That's yeah. something you planned on or you really were aware that you were doing. It was just... It just happened. I haven't been probably as goal-oriented as would have been helpful in my life. Um, one goal I had was to finish college, mainly because my parents thought I wouldn't. So I graduated in 66. That's a long time ago. And then the next goal I had was to become a psychotherapist because I had to go back to graduate school and I knew, always knew I would but then I realized, oh it's time because I was saying, what am I going to do when I get too old to dance? I don't want people to look up at me and say oh I wonder what she was like when she was young. That was my motivation and I went, I guess it's time to become a psychotherapist, I'll be in one place now and so I did that but then I never got too old to dance. Abre el presidio. 
sitio para que la gente no me vea llorar por la calle. Um, I can't do the technical things. I don't even take from certain teachers because I, it's too technical for where I am now. I don't have the balance I did when I was young. I can't dance as quickly. But I've got other stuff. I've got life experience. And I've, got, I've come to the point where it's like dance now or get off the pot. I mean, it's like I used to always wait to be better. You know, I wasn't good enough. I had to get better. And now I really don't care. I'm as good as I'm going to get. And that's immaterial. I'm, I'm just going to dance because I love dancing. And this is the time I always wanted to get to the place where I could just dance without worrying. And I'm there now. And I really appreciate it and feel grateful. Mm, that's wonderful to hear. I love that so much. Do you think in some ways that, do you think in some ways you're better? Like in what, I guess, actually, I want to know, in what ways are you better? <laughs> I'm, well, I'm better because I'm not worrying about, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. And I'm better because I've been doing it for so long, I don't have to worry about where is the compass. It's like my body knows. So I can just relax and I can just do it. In fact, one night, Freddie was playing cajon for me because he can still play cajon. It's not as, you know, like a lyrical guitar, but he plays it lyrically. And he said to me, he said, don't dance with your feet. He said, dance with your hands. He said, your feet will follow. Hmm. He's, he's amazing. And when I did that, all of a sudden, my dancing leapt to a new level. And this was like in the last few months. In the last few months, you've, your dancing has leapt to a whole new level. Yeah. I realized I didn't have to worry about my feet. They would do what they needed to do. Wow. So don't dance with your feet, dance with your hands. And yes. you will follow your hands. Right. But that's based on the fact that you're used to dancing in compas and you know the music. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you've been doing this a long time. And so mm -hmm. it's in there. It's in your feet. So in many ways, you don't have to worry about your feet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I dance with my hands and, and, and I use my upper body more than I used to. Mm. That's beautiful. The, and I, the upper body is the most beautiful part. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much of it, right? Yeah. And I also try to be very aware of the energy that I'm moving in with, well, with my hands and with everything. One time we were at a Biennale in Sevilla and we were in the front row watching Manuela Carrasco and she just finished a Zigarillas and then it was intermission. And I remember when the lights came on, the whole first row of us, we were all in tears. But I watched her move energy. I, I could see that energy move when she moved it. It was like, talk about something that I'll never forget. It wasn't my performance, it was hers, but it was yeah. just amazing. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you move energy in your performance? 
Okay, I'm going to have to move my arms here. Let's see. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> but instead of just moving like this, you, yeah. you see the energy and you move it. And you push it down and you bring it up and you push it down. And then you can also feel it emanating from your chest. A lot of times I'll feel it there, but I feel it a lot in my hands. I can draw designs with the energy. Yeah, I just saw it. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's like, um, I do think people, I know certain people see auras or see energy. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it visually. Like I don't translate it that way, but I, I, I don't know how I had to explain it. I feel like I sense it. Yeah. And it even comes across in this video watching you. Like I could, like I can, I don't know. I feel it in my body when you do that or something. I don't know. And I, I talk about this to my class when I teach too. I show them the difference between a movement without moving the energy and a movement with moving the energy. Do you think it's intention? Like, do you think it has to do with feeling into your hand with intention or? Yes, definitely with intention. I mean, not to say that it might not happen without it, but right. I'm aware of it when I have intention. I see. See, what what would you like other generations of artists to understand about age, whether they're dancers or whether musicians, poets, writers? Age is relative. Like so many of my students in their 30s and 40s say, oh, I'm getting old. I can't do what I used to do. And I tell them, don't waste yourself on that. You know, don't waste yourself on thinking you're not good enough or that you're not as good as you were because you'll develop different things. And also that at least flamenco, it's a dance you can do all your life because if you look at the gypsies in Spain, I've seen blind people dance and crippled people. You know, they have the names like El Cojo. And, you know, they just accept you for who you are and what your body is. You don't have to be thin. You can be fat. You can be thin. You can be whoever you are. And they'll nickname you for what you are. And it's like, it's a dance of self-acceptance and pride. And maybe not all dances, but flamenco certainly is. Yes, flamenco. And so if I, so to get back to your question, what, what I tell the other generations is keep loving your art and keep doing it and let it evolve and let it be age appropriate. Mm -hmm. I can't dance like a 20 year old and I don't want to, or like a 30 year old, but I can, I can dance like me. Mm -hmm. It's, it becomes very much my own expression And if I tried to do all the footwork and everything, I mean, I still love footwork, but I just don't do it at top speed. If I tried to do all that stuff, I would just get frustrated. Right. But I don't need it. Hmm, so there you are. I don't know about you, but after talking with Mariana, I just, I'm excited about aging as an artist it just seems like a total deepening 
of who you are and a paring down to the essentials of what you really need to express yourself. So the music you heard, this last track was Carcelero, was Freddy Federico Mejia playing harp on a CD with Louis Aguajetes singing and Gerardo Alcala playing guitar. And the solo guitar that you heard earlier was Freddy Mejia playing from 1968 or 1963, I'm told we aren't sure which. And that was Freddy playing guitar recorded by Dave Borson on a reel-to-reel at the Cabal in Berkeley, California. I'd like to thank my producers, Q4TA, and my executive producer, Robert Cholino, at the Voice America Network. I'd also like to thank my creative think tank team, Erica Milligan, Hannah Romanowski, Melanie Myers, Tim Beal, and Dan Cantrell. And thank you, Dan Cantrell, for the music that you compose for this podcast. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you can catch a new episode every week. My name is Holly Shaw.